Welcome, Welcome to our Anxious in Austin podcast. Feels like a little while since we recorded it's been a minute. One. Yeah. We're back. Back. Dr. Thomas Smithyman. Oh, and Dr. Marianne Stout here yeah. at the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin. Yeah. And Thanks for listening to us. Um, yeah, today our topic by an email yes. from a listener, the one. Yes. The one. We, we picked one out of the hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of emails that we get uh, with requests, and we, we picked we picked our we picked, favorite one. Yes, our, Allison in Florida. Yeah. She asked us to talk about dating anxiety, and that's yeah. what, you know, most of the emails wanted us to focus yeah, on. Yeah, in general. <laughs> we had a lot of requests for that. So. so we decided today's topic will be dating anxiety, and since, mm-hmm. Thomas, this is... Your bag. Yeah, interesting area for me. Yeah, this would be... So I was quite happy to talk about this. Yeah. I don't know where we'll go. I I imagine you probably have questions and stuff to I I started with some questions. Okay. um, Just researching a little bit about stuff. And um, just, you know, I I think I definitely do a lot more social anxiety since you and I have worked together. Mm -hmm. Um, It was something I definitely was a little more... Afraid of, mm. um, since you know, just to work with somebody who has like passion about something, I think like naturally ignites your own passion about things, mm-hmm. and so I think I, in working with you, have become more interested in it, and so learning more about it. Oh, good, um, good news. So yeah. yes, then did some research, but also just thinking about the things that I've been learning about over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I guess I am curious when you are working with people, mm-hmm. how much since you do primarily social anxiety, uh-huh. how, is it always that dating anxiety comes up with social anxiety? No, you know, um, it's not. I think uh, like it, dating anxiety is sort of a subset of social anxiety. I think um, my take would be I think social anxiety is. Because it's not a thing as social. Uh, it's not a such thing as dating anxiety. Like in the DSM. disorder. So <laughs> it's a subset of social anxiety disorder. Um, I think there's a lot of dating anxiety. Oh, you mean undiagnosable? Yeah. If you, if you don't call it disorder, you know, it's not disorder, but it's like functionally impaired to a certain extent. I think that's really really common. Um, maybe even like developmentally appropriate you know like everyone kind of has it and needs to work through it some people have more than others mm-hmm. um, and and then when people come in for social anxiety most of the time it's it's beyond just dating anxiety so that might be one component of it but uh, m- more often people are coming in to work on I've generalized social anxiety my social anxiety is making things really problematic here and here and here and maybe the dating's a piece of it but um, I would say more often people are coming in for other types um, I am always excited when someone comes in specifically for dating anxiety well because I feel like isn't dating anxiety your favorite part of social anxiety just when you used to talk about like grad school uh-huh. All, like fun experiments you all yeah, do. Yeah, fun experiments and research and kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would say that like, I really, really enjoy it. I, I, love, I love general social anxiety too. Dating anxiety, I 
like as well because there's, there's an extra level to it and I think um, someone having like being happy and like being happy in a relationship has such a huge impact on life satisfaction sure well we were just talking about like right like one of the thing non-pharmacological treatments for depression is like improving relationships you know what and it's funny because you said that and I'm like well that's not very much use if you're depressed because you're <laughs> yeah. so lonely you know the problem is that you haven't developed enough relationships mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean I, I think of um, like when I'm looking at social anxiety and for most people like everyone's an individual but most people, kind of the top three scariest things are um, job interviews, mm-hmm. right? public speaking, mm-hmm. and initial dating interactions. You're saying for people with social anxiety or just people in general? I mean, I guess I'm kind of basing it on social anxiety, but I wouldn't be surprised if I think in I general know, <laughs> it's kind of I guess I haven't really thought about dating anxiety, but when I talk with people with anxiety and they're like, oh, and I have an interview and I'm really anxious... I always try to normalize it in that, right, just in common fabric of society, mm-hmm. public speaking and interviews, like giving a presentation or giving an interview is a totally, right, like socially acceptable time to feel anxious, socially uh-huh. anxious. And it's because there are the factors that are expected to make you anxious. Mm-hmm. Like you what? Well, I mean, like your job interview you're actually being you're being judged judged on your quality being people looking at you and deciding whether or what they think about you you know <laughs> of course that's going to get you more anxious mm-hmm. or public speaking like it's simply having that many eyeballs on you is alone is enough and like um, initial dating interactions kind of the same thing like that you're we want you to be just seeing oh am I going to have fun with this person what do I think about this this person like keeping the stakes really really low but a lot of people with dating anxiety they've made the stakes really really high mm-hmm. it's like this person's going to determine my value sure and how this person responds to me talks about my status as, as a person and you know how this person responds to me is a rep a very good representation of how everybody else is ever going to respond to me. Sure. You know, so all that stuff gets going. And then, you know, Which kind of, like, when I'm thinking of working with people when they're having to do an interview, like a job interview, mm-hmm. that we start to try to focus on, it's not a one-sided thing, right? Like, yep. you should be evaluating the company or the job as well totally. to see if it feels like a good fit for you, yeah. right? It shouldn't be this totally lopsided power differential same with like dating right like Definitely. if it's all yeah. the powers in their court and am I measuring up and am I good enough and do mm-hmm. they like me and am I saying and doing and looking the right way and right things then yeah it feels very very one sided and yeah. it should be a, a two way street do I like them is this a good fit do I enjoy their company totally are they somebody I'd like hanging out with and would want to again? Mm-hmm. And and what I really like in what you're saying too is um, fit. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole point of this. Both both job interviews and honestly the the interview process. There's pieces of that. I mean, I, I don't think job interview stuff translates exactly to dating. And I'm, don't I make I out with I your wouldn't boss. want people. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want people to look at it in that way. Um, but I often do say that the 
dating process and the job search process can be pretty similar. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of um, fit because um, if you're focused on I want this person to like me, it kicks in a, a, a series of negative psychological processes that are going to make you anxious and uncomfortable and disrupt your natural ability to connect with people. Sure. Um, then it, might. it basically turns that it turns that threat system on. Yeah, and then it, you are very internally focused. Am yes. I saying the right thing? Mm-hmm. Am I are my hands in the right place? Am, is totally, my, yeah, I'm being I'm being judged, so I need to look at myself through the eyes of my judge and figure out how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I need to go up into my head to my list of all the things I'm supposed to be doing and coming across like, am I doing those things? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're thinking are we mutually a good fit for each other, right? Like, you're yeah. starting to see, like, well, I'm paying attention more externally. Like, do I Definitely. like what they're saying? Definitely. Can I relate to what they're talking about? Are mm-hmm. they making me laugh? Are they a total weirdo? Like, all the, yeah. all the stuff. And yeah. it's not that, that big internal focus, that big internal spotlight. Totally. And, and the reason, you know, the, the reason we, we're bringing up this idea of being focused on the self versus being externally focused is the um, the Clark and Wells research which is my favourite favorite model of social anxiety um, I'm sure I mention Adrian Wells all the time on here he's the, he's the, uh, the famous founder super of, famous super super famous founder of metacognitive therapy the most famous type of therapy yeah which is, <laughs> which is the most the best therapy there is um <laughs> So, like, we know from the, from the research around that that if you focus attention on yourself, you get more anxious. Mm-hmm. And simply the act of taking your attention off of yourself and externalizing it, so focusing on surroundings or preferably all the time the person that you're talking to and engaging with and being curious about, um, that alone drops your anxiety a bunch. Yeah. Because it could be, because it, um, it actually short circuits the the way the threat system that's taking over. I'm having a, a lot of different thoughts at the same time, but mm-hmm. yes, yeah, and some of the research I was looking at before this talk, it was about like what a lot of the outcomes were. With the more curious somebody was, mm-hmm. right, the less anxious they were. Yeah. For I, the dating outcomes. So you you found a study that was showing that. Yeah, yeah. That I was looking at that. Like, yeah, that, that's yeah. I, that. And the more like enjoyable people thought the interaction totally. was when they totally. like their curiosity was high, and it didn't say that their fear or mm-hmm. anxiety was was super low or non-existent, yeah. but it was just like more of a focus on the curiosity piece than on the anxiety piece. That that um that should basically be your core mantra if you're actually going to engage with somebody. All the other performance things, those are all going to make you more anxious. That they should just be ignored. You were going to come across how you come across. You were going to be who you were going to be. Be warm. It's one of the core pieces. But be curious because it, it does so many of these. It short sure, it circuits so many of these different problems simply by getting you out of your own head. What is up with this person? Who is this person? Like a lot of curiosity is who are you? What's cool about you? What's interesting? Um, but also being curious, is this person one of 
the people who are in that percentage that are going to be a good fit with me. Because for everybody, it's a percentage. Yeah. There's a percentage of people that we fit with and a far greater percentage that, that we don't. We don't. Yes. And we're trying to figure out through curiosity, is this person one of those? Mm-hmm. Your job is not to make that person, to get the wrenches out and shove them Square into the category into of where you're a good fit. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of pain. For and a lifetime, like, if this is a person you, you decide to be yeah, with. Yeah, <laughs> you go like fake it forever after mm-hmm. that. The, so the goal is like, you got to figure out, I'm going to be curious about this person and see, do I have fun with them? Like, do we overlap well? Like, do we get along? Similar values. Similar values. Yeah. Most of the time, it's not going to be this great. There's a great connection, great fit. But your job is to go and, you know, have fun and figure out, yeah, we're, is this person part of my percentage or not? It takes away a whole lot of the stress because a lot of the stress and anxiety are performance you know, setting this, I must make this great impression. I must come across this way. I must do this. My performance standards must be super high, and then if I reach them, everyone will love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it is a lot more about fit. Um, and curiosity is the, the shortest shortcut into that because it gets you off of yourself into them, and you're looking for that to find out who they actually are. Well, it just made me think, might not be completely related, but even, right, that so much of it is, like, the meaning-making of your feelings, right? Like, if I feel anxious and therefore I can't be curious or I can't focus on anything else, right, like that, Uh the meaning-making that does of your experience. And I talk about this with, like, like if you're a runner, right, like, and you're going to run a race... The, what you feel physiologically before a race is like the very same thing as that fight or flight for anxiety, right? Totally. But you are interpreting that as like excitement or mm-hmm. um, competitiveness, right? And that then gets fueled into like your performance being better versus if I'm interpreting this as like, oh no, this is anxiety and I can't feel this way. I shouldn't yeah. feel this way. This is unacceptable to have that you don't you know, perform as well. And so I think of that with like dating too that of course you know if you care about dating or you're interested in dating you're going to feel some anxiety but if it's Mm -hmm. that I can't feel any anxiety or my interpretation is if I feel anxious therefore Mm -hmm. I'm you know not going to do well or it's terrible or it's not fun or I failed or whatever then yeah it's going to be like a super painful process Mm -hmm. versus like you know this is also Excitement. This is also, like, I care about this. This is also something, like, I am excited about and am curious to see how this goes. You know, like, yeah. that interpretation of this. So, that so what, what I find kind of interesting about that is, like, like I, I agree with all this. And um, you actually... You want physiological arousal. Because otherwise, like, you don't care. Totally. That's, that's exactly it. So, so like what we that physiological experience about that the heart beating fast, the stomach's going, you like get, might get a bit flushed, all that or physiological arousal. You want that. If you if you ever look at the classic flirtation cues, um, you know the the lips or the fluttering eyelid or the you know the cheeks or the the like kind of coy looks and all that stuff Mm -hmm. Um, those classic flirtation cues are a mixture of warmth and anxiety 
So the point of this being, um, the reason that is a core part of like flirtation is it's showing you're affected by the person. Yeah, you're interested. And that is far more important than being calm around the person. Yeah. Because if you're calm around them, you don't care. Like, you go, whoever you're interested in, if you were talking to, like, their grandma or something, you're probably not going to have those that arousal come up. Because you don't... You're probably just like, oh, this is nice. I'm having a nice interaction. But with the person you're interested in, you want that physiological arousal. Sure. And it, it believe it or not, if you embrace it and mix it with warmth... It actually uh, makes you more attractive and you connect more easily. Well, People that, are drawn to that. I say that, it's funny you say with the yeah. job interview piece, I say that with people, I'm like, if you show up to a job interview and you had taken a bunch of Xanax or you were like totally mm-hmm. super calm, what message does that give across, right, yeah. to the people interviewing you? Like, I got this, I don't care. Like, I don't care, take, take me or leave me. Yeah, whatever, right? I'm like, so smooth. If yeah, you are hiring bad. someone, you want them to be a little anxious, mm-hmm. right? You want them to be affected. You want them to care. Yeah. And same with, like, dating, right? If it's somebody yeah. you're interested in and they seem like they don't care, yeah. you know, you're a waste of their time, they've got better things to mm-hmm. do, you totally. know, why would, they, why would they keep pursuing? Totally. The important piece of this, though, because everyone's, I know, from having talked about this so many times, I was going to be like, yeah, but it's unattractive and it's bad to feel this. No, what we know from the research is the anxiety itself is not a problem. You, if you, if you are happy saying, I am anxious and warm, you will do great. Because the part that matters is the warmth, not the anxiety. The Can you talk about the warm piece? What, how, how do you define that, or what do you? Okay. Yes. Sorry. I'll yes. Put a pin in that. Yes. I, I just just want to make sure yes. I, I finished this last piece, which was the. If you got the anxiety, like you'd be anxious and warm mixed together, you're gonna to be okay because the problem with anxiety is not the anxiety itself. It is not the anxiety is unattractive and bad and weak and all the things that everyone normally thinks it is going in. Um, the anxiety itself is only a problem because it kicks in the defense system Hmm. and the defense system just piece by piece cuts off the ability to connect with people. Hmm. Because you're so internally focused, you're not focusing on that. Yeah, a piece of it is is internal focus, a piece of it is safe behaviors, a piece of it is not listening to... There's there's basically a whole series of different things. As soon as that threat system kicks in and you go with it, you act in ways that are defensive, you know, you all the various pieces of this, it cuts off the ability to connect. So the anxiety itself is fine. Because it's like, like, protect, 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 run, avoid. Exactly. And it's hard to feel connected to another person or feel like somebody's connecting with you. Totally. And you can't can't connect because it tells you, shut off who you are, stay away from danger, avoid people. It's also, um, don't want to get too far down this road because I want to come back to warmth, but... um, one way of looking at that threat system kicking in is that it's a submission system. It's an automatic submission. So you basically are submitting to the person, backing off, calming, you know, a, the same way that an animal does to a bigger, more threatening animal. It goes into submission mode. And if you're in submission mode, it's really hard to connect with someone, show you real self and date. You have to take these, you have to take risks. You can't, you can't defend and protect against that core that core rejection fear so that's why the warmth is so important 
you can allow the anxiety to be there because if you try to fight it away, you just get anxious about being anxious, which mm-hmm. makes you more anxious. So mm-hmm. accept that, yep, I have this physiological stuff going here. I'm going to feel this way and I should feel this way. Yep. It'd be weird to not feel this way. I will use this because it is a natural part of showing I care about this person and this interaction. And I will mix that with warmth. It will come across as human and genuine and show that I'm genuinely affected and interested. Like we know from uh, like interpersonal attraction research, we know that the, the conveying that the person affects you and that you are genuinely interested and willing and care, that has m- more impact. So, um, okay. This is, this is what I mean about how I have so much information on this stuff in my head. I never quite know what's going to come out. But Yeah, hey. And uh, whatever, a half hour on this, it's going to be, you know, it's going to just get bits and pieces across. Sure. Um, but what, what was your question about warmth? So, yeah, how do you... How do you operationally define warmth? How do you, like, when you say yeah. you need anxiety plus warmth, mm-hmm. like, can just talk a bit about when people are like, okay, I got the anxiety part down. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what does the warmth look like? What yeah. does that mean? So, so the, warmth is, um, the warmth is basically kind of um, going first. So you know, the easiest way to say is it's friendliness. You know, friendliness, which I kind of define as being, like, warm plus risk-taking. Like, what you're trying to do with warmth is your... It's like general politeness, but turned up, like, a little bit. So, simple. it's simple. Smile. I think of it, too, like, all the matching research, right? Like, matching facial expressions. Oh God, I, hate, I hate the matching research. Really? I hate it so much. Okay. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, I hate it. It's awful. Really? Like, so somebody's smiling, like smiling, and well, somebody's okay. making eye contact, make eye contact, somebody leaning towards you, like lean? I, I just hate that. No, oh. no I would say uh, my personal take... Warmth? My personal take is I hate that. Okay. Um, because it, 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 because it, it feels not genuine to me. Oh, okay. And it's... Um, you are like looking at the person and then looking at yourself and changing yourself to try to just that feels not genuine it feels forced and I and people can tell Mm. and it feels off like I see people talk about this stuff especially in like communications or like but do you think what they are looking at is people who naturally do that and they're not trying to force it happens so what, what happens is like where that research came from was entirely the other direction. Mm-hmm. So the research came from, they found out if people connect and get along, they, they start naturally matching. start to match their body language. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're doing it out of sequence, and that comes across yeah, as artificial. And, and they had some studies that would show when, when people tried to do it, there actually was a certain number of second delay between the movement, which is why you can't fake it and scheme it because you're going to get it wrong and like it, it happens as a natural unconscious body thing and if you try to like mimic a natural unconscious body thing you're going to get it wrong and it's going to just throw off what your focus is and all that instead I want somebody genuinely being themselves being curious interested in the person sharing of themselves getting stuff back and then seeing if a genuine like make the attempt invest 
Be kind. Be, be kind. Be kind. Be polite. Ask questions. Share about yourself. Show interest and appreciate what the person's saying. So that's what you mean by warmth. Yeah. And to me, the warmth is also... Um, it's all that stuff, It's but it's also a little bit more of taking the responsibility of, like, initiating. Like, um... Like showing you're interested. Yeah, right? yeah, like going asking, first. Yeah. yeah, going first and showing interest and or smiling volunteering. first. Yeah, yeah, being the, the first person to self-disclose, because you'll notice that conversations, a lot of things are just these short little not like pleasantries, kind of like, oh, are you good? Are you good? Okay, well, thanks, and that's nice. But it's this little shot of warmth. If you can give people a little shot of warmth, it does make an impact. There's some research showing that if you do that in the morning. The person's mood is better, like, in the evening. Just from these little, like, social snacks, I call them. <laughs> and, and those are great. Like, just give me a little bit of warmth. Smile, ask the person how they're doing. Give them a genuine compliment. Don't fake it. Yeah. Um, but just basically give out the warmth. Um, and it's, it will start coming back to you. Because that, that is um, it's a little different, little different to matching, but it's reciprocated. If you put out warmth, you get warmth back. If you put out coldness, you get coldness back. So what do you think then mm-hmm. about, like, I mean, we've talked about this, so maybe this is for listeners since I already know uh-huh, this. Sure, yeah. But, you know, like um, dating advice and, you know, like um, the sketch art. What is it? <laughs> you call them sketch artists? <laughs> I don't know what it's called. <laughs> Sketch artist. Though. Yeah, that that, that, that whole like pickup artist. Pickup artist community. <laughs> I mean, that's sketchy. Yeah, sketchy. It's hard for me to say because my my knowledge honestly is based on like a TV show from like ten years ago. But that's so, sort of like right, like I don't know. So my my instinct would be because I like don't show vulnerability and yeah show off yeah kind of. That strength fake, and don't be fake, fake a bunch of stuff the whole time I, yeah, I personally don't like that um, I don't like it just in general I don't want people faking or trying to come across as something they're not one because it increases the performance standards which will increase anxiety if you increase that anxiety there'll, there'll be a, a need to kind of get to escape so you'll probably be less social if you're trying to perform um and it's more like, and the higher you set the impressions, the the kind of worse that stuff gets. And it's just, it's a lot harder to do that. And I feel like instead of putting a ton of effort and time and effort, energy into trying to come across as a lot better of a person or whatever, or to have different traits than you actually have, you're far better off investing that into your own personal growth, fine um, but I think you're far better off putting that energy into warmth and generally making yourself go out and interact with people show interest in people, be curious and when there is no fit which will happen the majority of the time yeah. you got all this energy, put the energy into coping with, with your discomfort of when it doesn't doesn't work out yes so I feel like what we're talking about is like yeah the ideal right like yeah. I put myself out there I take mm-hmm. risks I'm authentic I allow myself to feel the anxiety but still be curious and warm yeah. and yeah I think the big fear with all of it is like yeah what if I do this and it's not it's not reciprocated 
Yes, or... which which people will refer to as rejection, mm-hmm. right? Sure, which feels awful. I mean, I think any human can understand that, for you sure. Know, the, there is a bunch of the horrifying research that I encourage no one to ever look at about the, a whole series of, like, basically these awful rejection studies where they go out and deliberately reject people and they look at what the internal behavioral consequences of that are mm-hmm. and it just looks terrible and like the more rejected you the more times you get rejected the more the more rejectable people find you and all, all this all this stuff except for what's his name who went and sat on the park bench and practiced oh, well, see, being he, rejected a hundred times <laughs> that's because he did it in a different way <laughs> yeah so I mean the uh, don't get twisted deals, but basically, we know that rejection is awful and it feels terrible and it kicks in all these, you know, it. The two immediate things that you have a drop in self-esteem, so you think worse of yourself, and you're in pain, you're in physical pain because they've done the neuropsych research, huh. and social pain is the same pathways as, as physical pain. Huh. That's why every word anyone ever uses to describe their feelings after rejection. Is basically pain, agony, hurt. Because it hurts, it hurts, and self-esteem drops, and then we start thinking the people that we thought liked us already, probably they also don't like us, and it kicks it kicks in this whole uh, motivation to escape and avoid. avoid. It's basically a, a post, it's like a post-event threat system rather mm-hmm. than a pre-event threat system trying to pull us out of there. Don't ever do that again. Mm-hmm. Don't ever take those risks again. And honestly, like I bring this up, so it's kind of depressing sounding, but I bring it up because um, when I talk to people about, hey, let's let's start making these small steps, let's take this risk, like let's do these do these sort of dating initiation activities. They're like, well, I can do it as long as you guarantee I won't get rejected mm. because I know myself, and if I get rejected, um, I, it's gonna just destroy me. I'm not gonna be able to handle it. I've, I've had a couple of experiences before-ish, maybe. I know that I can't do this. So so we have to accept going in. There's, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, it doesn't matter, it's nothing. Yeah. Just just push through it, it's nothing. No, we've we got to respect that it is this. it has this big response and that we anticipate this big response. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't be giving it, right? Yeah. Like all this attention and yeah. avoidance. And the problem is that it's because the rejection is not seen in reality for what it is. Mm-hmm. Not a good fit. Which is not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And honestly, probably a very polite... Sure. I'm very saying polite like, display. You're the worst. Of, yeah. The, the anxious like, brain imagines catastrophizing is the worst. The but, other person is probably but, saying, but we like, know oh, that's not a great fit. In reality, right. that's going to be like, oh, no thanks, or, oh, I'm sorry, I'm already dating some... Mm-hmm. It, it's going to come really softly. Mm-hmm. People, for the most part, yes. unless, caveat, They're you ignore someone's boundaries and you pummel through their boundaries and try to get what you want, then you will get a stronger no. Or you come across the 5% jerks, jerks. <laughs> which, which are out there. But for the most part... People will be polite and reject People will be nice, but you'll get this rejection and there's this feeling of this means all these terrible things about me. It means these terrible things about what people how people are and how they look at the world and what my future is going to be like this is attribution theory stuff it means all these massive deep things so of course you're not going to want to go through that at all but choose to 
what's going to happen is you're going to have that experience which you will label rejection which we, we instead will label Bad finding fit. out someone's not a fit you'll have that experience your brain and system will have this huge response of it means this it means that it means this it means that you have to cope with that that is act that is active suffering you want to cope with it and you've got to process it so you need to have active coping plans in mind for what you will do to it's going to hurt and I ask people okay when you when you have a rejection how long does it hurt for because we know it's going to hurt so they'll they'll talk about it it's impossible but how long well I guess I feel down for and some people will be like oh I feel really bad for a few hours some people yeah. are like oh two days later I'm still feeling it um, the real problem is they'll say I'll have that and then I know that I can never make another attempt that's it forever I've got to make sure I never have that attempt and never have that rejection because it's so bad that if it happens to me I can't I can't ever try to date again and we can't have that as a rule because the majority of attempts are not going to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a percentage of people that work. The odds of you just finding that person on your first and attempt, uh, pretty slim. Yeah, super so, slim. I mean, you've got to meet people and be curious and find out to find those fits. Also, you've got to find out about yourself through that process. Um, so, but to the, for the rejection, you need to have an active coping plan to get you through that. You need to. The worst thing you can do. This comes really? out of loneliness research. Is called sad passivity. Sad passivity is you escape away from the situation. Avoid. You you avoid talking to people or anything. You hide. You don't do turn off the lights and drink or... port and you know all the things that I used to do when I was <laughs> when I would experience rejection. Those are the things you don't do. Um, and so you do the opposite, really, which is you bring people back in. You you know you, whoever's supportive, you tell them about it. You get the there's different kinds of support. You get those. You, we figure out a plan for that. Do the things you care about. Exactly, yeah, things you value and care about. You live your life, and then you keep moving towards your valued goal of finding a, a person that you connect with. All of I will say my shortcut to this stuff, to, you know, all the bad research is rejection is only a problem to the extent that you respond by backing away, isolating, and avoiding. Mm. If instead you move in the opposite direction, you kind of keep heading towards the things you care about. You build up resiliency. You will find, this is the good news at the end of this, you will find that the after a while, and I see this with the people I work with all the time, we get to this point where the not fits are seen as not fits rather than rejections mm. and they are small they're, they're a small thing rather than a big thing they stop meaning this is this is going to be my life from now on let's go oh, okay that was one of the people I didn't fit well with it after a while it honestly you don't even have any kind of emotional hit you're just like ah oh, okay not a fit mm-hmm. moving on moving on um Trying out the probability here. Yeah, and, and Marianne, you, you, did you want to talk about the Albert Ellis story you brought up? Oh, because this is such a great example of this. This guy is just the father of rejection therapy. Yeah, just that he's going to go out on purpose and ask people out on a date for a hundred times. A hundred times. Tolerate it. Yeah, he sat on the same bench 
and he said, every woman that comes and sits near me, I'm going to ask her out. And what I love about it is, uh, he did it a hundred times. He did it as a way of getting over his fear of, yeah, of, of, of dating initiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, after a while, he, all his anxiety dropped down. He was no longer anxious about it. And what I loved is, at the end of it, uh, one woman said yes to a date. So his anxiety didn't wait, went away. It didn't cure his dating problems. Yeah, it didn't increase his but, likelihood of getting a date. <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't, honestly, the, the system of, I'm going to ask out anyone who sits next to me, probably not a not finding a your dating part dating system, system, but it, it did allow him to get over his fear discomfort. of, basically it was his fear of projection. Mm-hmm. He called it, um, what did he call it? Uh, distress tolerance. Oh. Well, which is yeah. right exactly what you're saying. If I treat this rejection as this is a big deal and I need to do what anxiety tells me and continue yeah. with avoidance, right? Yeah. Then avoidance breeds anxiety and depression, does, right? Yeah. Like I need to protect myself because totally. I can't handle this, I can't cope. And if I can shift it to, yeah. if I can shift it to, um, this is something I can tolerate and lean into, and uh-huh. right? Like I'm not treating anxiety and depression or rejection as though it is true or a big deal, I can yeah. keep leaning into it, right? Like, I, I build Treating up that Treating it as tolerable, mm-hmm. and you start to increase your distress tolerance. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of exercises that we do as part of social anxiety that is about distress tolerance, sure. social distress tolerance. And guess what? It gets easier and easier and easier, and after a while, it's kind of fun. Well, I, I always think of it as, like, a good metaphor for, like, physical exercise, right? Mm-hmm. Like... If you never run and you go on a big run, your muscles are going to hurt the next day. Yeah. And if you just like, that's it, I'm never running again. Mm-hmm. All that is left in your mind is like running equals pain. Whereas if you're like, okay, that hurt, but I'm going to try to go on another jog tomorrow, right? Yeah. Like it dissipates. Awesome. It gets easier. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Same. 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 That's great. Yeah. You do it. You can practice it. You can gain the skill. Can you get you, stronger? Yep. And it sure helps that they tend to be very soft and nice and you can hardly even call them rejections they're so nice and I do think of like a statistic or like a numbers game right like dating there are what seven and a half billion people in this world like oh, yeah. you got, not everybody's going to be a great fit and you got to sort of work yeah. your way through people to mm-hmm. see and, and it is important to know there is no matter what your dating history because honestly most people where we work on rejection they haven't previously been rejected mm because they've avoided anything that could end in rejection. Um, But if you avoid rejection, you avoid trying, you avoid initiating, you avoid actually finding out the people who are good fits. Mm -hmm. You let them go by because you don't take the risk because you're not not willing to tolerate the discomfort. Mm -hmm. So this is a path out of this. But the important thing to know is even if you, no matter your dating history, there is a percentage of people that work. Mm -hmm. And your job is to be warm, curious, anxious, get to know lots of people, explore, find out who is a good fit and who's not. And the anxiety is supposed to be there. And it gets, anxiety is supposed to be there and the more you do it, our brains adapt, the threat system starts to turn off. Once your brain realizes this is not dangerous, all those negative threat system processes will start to slow down and turn off and then it gets easier and easier and there is luckily this nice upward spiral which is where we're, we're trying to get people to an upward spiral of you have good interactions, so it gets your natural affiliation system going. 
and as that goes you don't have to force yourself to, to interact and connect with people it just happens naturally and then it's easy that's where Super we go done yeah that was a lot of info in <laughs> a fairly short amount of time <laughs> hopefully people followed some of what we were talking about yeah and if you have questions on any specific part yeah. of it be like Allison and give us a, a shout uh, yeah Mary, what is my email address? Mary, you, your your address isn't it Marianne at anxietyaustin.com? I think that's one of them. And then okay. I think there isn't there like a Marianne Atka. Well, at well, I'll let you Anywho, figure, I don't figure know. it out for next time. Marianne at anxietyaustin.com should work. Should and get Thomas there. at anxietyaustin.com. You can also go to thomasmithyman.com. Yes. Um, and yeah, thanks for joining us yeah, today. Yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us. Let and us know uh, if there are other please, topics. Please, please, yeah, give us other questions and things to talk about because this is fun for us to do. We're trying to help out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye bye.